For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, 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 and welcome to another edition of the Niner Noise Podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. My name is Robert Morrison, a contributor at NinerNoise.com, and here with me, uh, all these many, many days later, um, <laughs> is fellow contributor uh, Akshaz Devadula. Akshaz, it's been, what, like 10 days now, and we... Um, how, how we doing, man? You know, Robert, um, I'd want to say I'm over it, that, like, you know, <laughs> totally fine, but I'm not. I'm really disappointed. I'm sad. I'm frustrated. You know, we talked this entire year about they have to do one thing. They have to win a Super Bowl. Like, everything's about that. They were right there. They had that game. They had their chances, and they just couldn't get it done. And, you know, as someone who, like I said in our preview, which feels like a lifetime ago, has not seen the 49ers win a Super Bowl, it it hurts to – you know, for having yeah. them to have been so close the last couple of couples of years and just not be able to get it done. But, you know, that's yeah. that's how it goes, I guess. <laughs> that is how it goes. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the day after was definitely like a I don't want to talk about it. Let's not. This is like I was I was definitely like more like sadder than I thought I was going to be because I just thought. Oh man, they got this one. Um, and even once the game started, it was like, oh, okay, like they're playing well, and or at least not well, but they were playing, they were keeping up enough. Um, you know, it's just, it's just, it's, it seems like the the you know, if you want to encapsulate this and into into kind of like one thought, it does seem that generally when the the twenty twenty three San Francisco Forty Nine ers struggled. It was the offense couldn't quite finish. That was sort of the big difference. And and that was, I mean, that was what happened, right? They only scored 22 points, including <laughs> a field goal in overtime. So 19 in regulation and three more in overtime. And it's, it just came down to just an, an to, to finish things off. Um, you know, that, that fumble on the first drive where they were just humming and moving the ball down the field and then just the offense just kind of fell apart in the middle of the game. And, you know, it, I mean, both offenses were, were absolutely in, in, in dire straits in the third quarter. I, I mean, it was just, it was a weird game because, it, you know, probably for the neutral, this was a horrible game to watch for the first three quarters. And then the fourth quarter in overtime just like kicked into a high gear. So I, I can only imagine like if you didn't care about this game, then you'd been like, okay, well, um, this is fun. What else is there to do? Uh, and then all of a sudden, the fourth quarter. In fact, I heard I I I heard different different people who were like, "Oh yeah, we were watching the game, and then we you know we turned it off to 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 do to do something else, and then came back and saw oh the game's still on and it's close and it's going into overtime and like that's weird. Um, that's a weird way to 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 watch a football game, but nonetheless. Um, but yeah, I mean, certainly they had the opportunities to to win the game and. 
and even more frustrating by the fact that the Chiefs were not able to really do anything other than, I mean, if you think about it, the only touchdown they scored um, in regulation was on the the muffed punt, <laughs> and they had a 16-yard drive, and that was the only touchdown they scored in regulation. Um, and then obviously the 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 one at the, at the end of overtime, but it's just like little missed opportunities, little bounces that didn't go the 49ers way because, you know, if that, if that ball just kind of nestles into Ray Ray McLeod's hands, you know, and he just falls on it or he's able to scoop it up and then just kind of fall to the ground, maybe the Chiefs don't score. You know, the Niners didn't look great, but they won anyway. Um, and so, yeah, it's just, it's a frustrating thing because I don't think you can make the argument that either team was playing their A game. Um, at least offensively on Sunday. I think both defenses brought it uh, pretty well. But um, in the end, the team that got a little bit luckier and and probably, I think, you know, the team that had the single best player of either team is the one that ended up winning in the end. And that's just really frustrating. I agree. I mean, you know, I think the Niners' defense definitely slowed down Dre Greenlaw's injury. But... Now, there are no excuses for this game, right? Like, the the Niners had their chances. I just, you know, you can play it in your head, and it's, like, clear as day <laughs> in that third quarter when they intercept Mahomes, and then it's, like, a three and out. If they score a field goal or a touchdown there, this game, they win. But... At the end of the day, they couldn't get it done. They didn't run the ball particularly well after the first drive, nor did they really stick with it. They couldn't solve Spagnuolo's blitzes very well. In fact, near the end of the game, that was really the thing that did them in. And, I mean, they just didn't execute well on offense. And the, the we were talking about this, like, right before getting on this call, actually. The Niners do this a lot, like, a lot, a lot. <laughs> This is kind of the thing. But the difference is most teams don't have Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, Travis Kelsey, you know, and a fantastic defense to boot to take advantage of you giving them opportunities. Like your talent just allows you to weather the inconsistency. But the Chiefs are good and were good enough to be like, guys, you have like very limited chances to win this game. And they had their chances. I mean, with two minutes left, if they stop the Chiefs, they win the Super Bowl. It's that simple, right? And then in overtime, there's a fourth down with the Super Bowl on the line. And the 49ers give it up like it's nothing. And I just think, you know, it's those moments that really glare because you shouldn't have been in those situations, but you had a chance to execute and on nearly every critical down when the game got close the chiefs were the team that was executing i mean Mm -hmm. two minute warning in the fourth quarter the 49ers have a third and five from like 35 you get that first down you probably win the super bowl like it's that simple and i mean spagnola brings a blitz purdy makes a bad decision he throws it right into the blitz doesn't look at the right receiver jennings was already draped Ayuk was wide open but you know Missed it. McCaffrey also was open, missed it as well. I mean, and like, you know, it sounds like I'm blaming Purdy, but that's like when you're getting blitzed, you got it like you're hot as you're hot. You know the guy who's the first option and you throw to him. And that's what Spagnola did. He forced the Niners to go faster and quicker than they wanted to. And then the Chiefs march all the way down the field, get that field goal. And then in overtime, 
time, you know, third and four. Ayuk gets wide open. This is in the red zone. Jennings is wide open. And no one blocks Chris Jones. It's a breakdown in protection. And Purdy's unable to make a competitive throw. Right? Like, he doesn't yeah. find a way to slide away. Like, you just got to execute there. And the fourth down mm-hmm. is the one that I'll never own. That's the one that's going to live in my head. It's fourth and one. You know something like that triple option. And not only did Patrick Mahomes get the first down with ease because Bosa crashed too hard and no one scraped over the top, he had a receiver wide open too. Logan Ryan rushes to Kelsey. And, you know, Kelsey probably catches that and Mahomes throws it to him, but that's a different story. But Rasheed Rice is wide open on a seven-yard curl and ends up just blocking because the Niners were just so disorganized on that play. And, like, in the moment, you're like, it was a fourth and one. It makes sense. It's like it's a, it's basically fourth and inches. They'll probably get it. But, well, you think about it now. They were one play away from winning the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. And they and they more than, do more than once, unfortunately. More than, yes, right? <laughs> like it's it's a it's a terrible feeling because this team is better than this absolute like inability to execute. But at the end of the day, right? Like they are who they are. This is like this is the 49ers in 2023. This has unfortunately been the 49ers under Kyle Shanahan. And it doesn't invalidate all the success they've had. But, you know, I think on Twitter it was Akash Ankovarthan who had, like, the thing that said the Niners have the second most playoff wins since 2019, and they're the only team in the top five to have not won a Super Bowl. They're Mm. reaching not as bad as, but the same level of playoff infamy as, like, the 90s Bills, essentially, Mm. where they are so close, but they're just not there. And, you know... You have, they have, they have to win one. You know, this was, I think both of us thought this was the year to do it because the Chiefs didn't look that good. And in reality, right, like I think the Niners matched up well. They just couldn't execute down the stretch. Next year is probably the only other real good chance you have because after that, Mm -hmm. you know, Purdy's going to need money. You're going to have to figure out how to sign everyone and keep the huge cap hits floating around. There's going to be a reshuffling. And, you know, It's um, it's it's frustrating that what is like unequivocally one of the most successful eras of 49ers football is lacking that kind of jewel to cement it. And, you know, maybe next year we have this same conversation a week sooner because they win and we're super excited <laughs> to talk about it. And that's like the crown jewel. But yeah. It's like every year is different. Anything can happen. And when you have your opportunities, you have to take advantage of it. And you just didn't do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's, that's, that's all, all well said. Um, I, I mean, I do think that they do. I, I mean, obviously they have one more year with this core for sure. When, until things start to get shaken up, um, you know, there'll be guys that will be out of contract at the end of the, at the end of next season, and then, as you said, it's they're either going to be paying Brock Purdy a lot of money next year or they will have decided that he's not the guy that they thought he was and they're not going to pay him anything and they're going to let him go. Right. Those are the, those are the two things that are going to be happening this time next year. Um, and, you know, we'll know. 
one way or the other. And then they're going to have to do some some cap, some cap gymnastics and see how that goes. But we don't have to have that conversation yet because that's not the time. Um, long and hard about a contract situation uh, throughout this offseason, as we have on this podcast for the last, I think this is our, this will be the fifth situation that we've had in the last five years, right? It was, um, what, it was Kittle, Kittle, Warner, Debo, Bosa, and now Brandon Ayuk, which we'll spend a lot of time talking about this summer. So that's just too many in a row. I mean, it's a good problem to have, right? Like, because not every team gets to spend a lot, spend every offseason talking about, oh, well, I have this great, we have this great player on our team. Uh, we have to, that we have to figure out a way to keep. Um, so it's, I'm not complaining about that being a problem, but we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, league year starts in what, like three weeks or something like that, March or March 10th or something like that is when the, the new league year starts. So we'll be on the turnaround here in the, in the very near future. But um, we do want to talk about a couple of things that have happened. In light of the game, obviously you mentioned Dre Greenlaw, Torres Achilles. Man, what a what a terrible um it's the game like 100%. Like Travis Kelsey was a was a non factor in the first part of that game, and then all of a sudden Dre Greenlaw is gone, and he suddenly becomes a factor. I do not think that's a coincidence. Um, I think the the Chiefs saw red flags and went, oh, we're targeting Oren Burks, and they did, and they took advantage of him. Um, the other problem is because that happens in February, there's a real chance he's going to miss. I don't know, like, I, I don't, I doubt he'll be ready for training camp. Um, and if he is, it will be like very limited. I think there's a pretty good chance he's missing some chunk of next year, which means that that linebacker, a linebacker to pair with Fred Warner, at least for a short period of time, is going to have to be. Or, you know, it's going to have to be somebody that they trust to maybe start for, I don't know, what, half the season, uh, depending on how how uh, that that, uh, that turns out. But it's it's definitely going to be a problem. And, you know, you hate to see an injury anytime, but an injury at the la- in the last game of the season that is going to now impact that you're we're in the process of playing, but will now impact your next year is, is a real problem, especially with a guy like Dr- Greenlaw, who I believe is in a contract year coming up and uh, hopefully they'll uh, they'll take care of him and everything but um, it'll be really interesting to see if if he's got an extension in his future as a way to get the cap hit down but man just like what a bummer what a bummer yeah yeah I mean like the absolute worst like so two thoughts right the first one is for the Super Bowl that was huge and you know, I think there's like there's the refrain online, I believe, about how 49ers fans always find an injury to complain about that somehow invalidates their loss. And that came about because, you know, they for the last year we can like talk about how that gripe is at whatever. But it was a big injury and, you know, it was a it was a really demoralizing one to get hurt that way. I think it absolutely changed the game. He was playing really well. He was super amped up and he's the energy for this team. And, you know, for the team that sucks, but for Greenlaw, I mean, arguably his best season as a pro comes to end in such a, such a like sad way. And you're right. Like he's going to miss at least half the season, you know, hopefully the recovery goes great and he's all okay. But that's when it like you never 
ever, ever want to see any player have to deal with these type of injuries because these are these are the ones that well, in general, you never like no no one should get injured in an ideal world, right? <laughs> right. Totally fine. But injuries like this, those are the ones that they terrify you a little bit because they're um they're scary, man. I mean, Greenlaw, he's an explosive player. That's a lot of what his game is predicated on. He's got like who knows how how he's going to respond to the treatment afterwards, how the rehab's going to go. There's a lot on the line, and you know, it sucks that such a promising player has, has to deal with this. I mean, you know, the I think 49ers fans have seen a perfect example in Navarro Bowman, who is going to be a Hall of Famer like his, like his current, or like his linebacking partner now is, which we will talk about definitely a little bit. But, um, but that injury, that torn ACL, MCL in Seattle, completely like just changed him as a player because that's a huge injury to come back from. So hopefully everything's great for Greenlaw. Everything works out perfectly. And, you know, the Niners take care of him because he deserves it. And he's a he's a warrior for sure. Yeah, um, for sure. Uh, and, and again, the, the, it's the double the double hit of of the fact that it probably turn the game at least a little bit like you, you can't argue that it didn't make an impact on the game and the fact that it will impact 2024 is even worse so um not great um all right so the next thing uh we need to look at is the aftermath of the game which is that immediately after the game or like the day after the game when they got back to santa clara uh, kyle shanahan said something like oh you know we expect everybody to be back as far as coaches and all that kind of stuff um, but a couple of days later called a, um, a conference call for the media and announced that he had, uh, let Steve Wilkes, uh, defense coordinator go after one season in Santa Clara with the 49ers. Um, I feel like we talked about this. It was always kind of a strange fit because Steve Wilkes was being told he needed to run the defense that had been run there. Uh, over the last couple of seasons with Robert Sala and D'Amico Ryans and was told to learn that system, maybe put a little spin on it of, of your own, but by and large, you need to do the things that that we've been doing over the last couple of years that have been in the booth at the re- at the beginning of the season and they moved him down to the to the field level and yada, 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 all the stuff that, that took place. And in the end, it... As Shanahan just said, it it just came down to we tried it and it didn't work and it wasn't a good fit and it didn't have any reflection on who he thought Steve Wilkes was as a human being or or anything like that. But just that it just wasn't a good fit and they need somebody that, um, you know, knows this kind of old school, the uh, you know, P. Carroll Seattle defense that they were running, which is where all this comes from, which is where everything that that, that the Niners have been doing over the last couple of seasons go. So, um First of all, you know, the stupid thing, the stupid thing was, oh, well, this is Shanahan uh, scapegoating, like not taking responsibility for what happened in the game. He's blaming Steve Wilkes for the fact that they lost that kind of stuff. Um, I'd like to say, first and foremost, anybody who says that has not been watching the, the season and knowing that the defense has been a very up and down unit throughout the season and didn't apparently pay attention to the to the overtime period. 
the Super Bowl when Kyle Shanahan had literally had to call a timeout to get Steve Wilkes to get out of the prevent defense that he was running. Um, I, I just don't know. I mean, if it's not if it's not pretty clear that the fit didn't didn't work, then I don't know what you've been paying attention to for the last couple of, of months. Um, you know, they gave it a shot. Uh, it didn't work out. Uh, you know, credit to Steve Wilkes for 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 doing the best thing that the best that he knew how. But I, I just didn't. It it just seemed clear that that the the there wasn't. It it didn't work. That's all there is. I mean, I totally agree. I think fundamentally the Niners messed up in hiring Wilkes and then telling him you can't run your defense. Like you, that just doesn't work. You were because the players are expecting to do what they did under D'Amico Ryan's and Robert Sala. But that's not what Wilkes wanted to do. And the idea was, all right, the players kind of bring what we used to do along with all the, you know, all the assistant coaches. Wilkes brings in this other perspective and it meshes perfectly. But again, like, that's not how it works. The players didn't want to do or weren't best at doing what they wanted them to do. And, you know, Wilkes wasn't best at utilizing the players in the way they thought they would be best utilized. And I think you know, Shanahan said he wasn't particularly married to the scheme in that conference call. I think that's a lie. Like, yeah. I think he, he's like, but I, my hope is saying that that if he hires like, check right, if he hires Bill Belichick, not saying he will, <laughs> not saying that's even likely to happen, that he's not going to no be like, all right, all right, Bill, you know run the Seattle cover three, four, three front. No way. Like if you hire someone who has a different mindset on defense than the players right now, then you're going to have that guy run his defense. And now I give all the credit in the word to world to Wilkes because it was a really tough situation to be put into. He probably should be the head coach in Carolina right now. And what's it called? David Tepper's um, ineptitude <laughs> in, hi- in hiring people cost him a job up and he, was... he does it for two organizations if it makes you feel any better he's really good at it and <laughs> two for two so, organizations good for him i mean like you know wilkes ends up getting this job hoping that it'll propel him to more head coaching opportunities which as you know as he is deserving i think he's gotten a really raw deal as a head coach in the nfl but i think the 49ers didn't do him any favors wasn't like clearly and you know if they win the super bowl they're obviously not going to fire wilkes because that's ridiculous that but i legitimately think that this was this decision was made after the detroit game when it was clear that like the niners couldn't stop the run and were just like fundamentally like some like susceptible to being gashed i mean like it was clear we can go all the way back to the Minnesota game with that cover zero call that mm. Wilkes called that, you know, Mooney Ward has a pick but isn't able to bring it down. And eventually that cause and Addison gets a touchdown. It's a huge game-changing play. And Shanahan was like, I probably should have called a timeout, right? Like, that's true. Shanahan has that responsibility as the head coach, but that's not what he wants to do. And I think for Shanahan, if he feels the need to superimpose on his defensive coordinator, we're doing this, then it doesn't yeah. work. And at the end of the day, you know, people saying that Wilkes is being scapegoated, I don't think that's true. 
I do. I think the optics are terrible. I think Shanahan messed up by saying, I expect everyone to be back and then firing Wilkes like two days later. I think that's a terrible look. I can understand like, you know, the professional courtesy of not dangling his name out in the media essentially and being like, oh, you know, we'll have everyone. Don't like let the speculation happen. But yeah, it just, it didn't work. And, um, you know, I think Wilkes did a lot of good things. I think he's reason why Moody Ward has taken that next step. Why Diomo Lenore has also taken that next step. Jair Brown looks like a very promising rookie. He had an interception in the Super Bowl. Now, another promising young safety did that in my all-time 49ers, like, backup crush in Tarverius Moore. But you know, <laughs> I think Jair Brown's going to have a better career. Don't, don't you dare. Moore <laughs> <laughs> did. Dare. But, um, <laughs> but clearly, like, there are some flaws. Like, Oliver seemed to be a Wilkes addition or a Wilkes support, and he was not a good fit at nickel corner. Yep. Wilkes really championed Ambry Thomas, and Ambry didn't play super well this season. And is like that's probably one of the gaping like holes on the defense that you need to fill. And you know, like it's it's a tough situation. It's gonna look bad. I hope Wilkes lands a job somewhere because I mean again. He's a well-respected, phenomenal coach who was put in a weird place. And, you know, not everyone is going to be able to handle that. And I don't think it was a reasonable ask in the first place. I think it was the Niners right. trying to, you know, pigeonhole someone because they were like, oh, yeah, he's probably pretty good. And we need a defensive coordinator. And that was just that wasn't the right approach. And it, it didn't work out in the end of the day. Um, well, and, and unfortunately the timing of it, because they were one of the last two teams, uh, to finish the season puts them in an awkward position because they only have a couple of weeks till the scouting combine. So the, the, the scuttlebutt is that they have made a decision and we're just kind of waiting to see and hear who that might be. Um, Tim Kawakami of the athletics said that he thinks he knows and that he expects it to be before the end of the week, um, which makes sense to have your coaching staff in place before uh, you get too deep into start getting too deep into the draft stuff and all that um, goes. Uh, of course, the speed of that seems to suggest it's going to be an internal hire, which leaves a very short list of, of, of possibilities. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, it probably almost definitely rules out anybody who currently has a job somewhere else because they would have had to reach out to that team. Be like, uh, nope, not at this point. Sorry. Um, so it's probably either somebody outside of the building, which we already did this. We already did that once, or they'll continue to, they'll go back to the well of like, we'll, we'll bring someone up, uh, who's kind of the next guy up. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Um, Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.
Let Oxidize external... it to me now. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> I could see an external hire just because I saw this, and I think this is true. Unless the Jets, like, make it to the AFC Championship game, I really feel like Robert Sala is not long for New York. Yeah. And I could immediately snapping him up to be defensive coordinator. So I could see, like, the one-year, like, one-year deal, come in here, call the plays, and then Sala, you get the job when you're back. Because, honestly, okay even, you know, I, I, yeah, it's been a while, so I don't really remember exactly how I felt about Sala's decisions at times. I don't think I always liked them, but. No, but he was, know. he was first-time coordinator, and he had his growing pains, but. He, he certainly did did well enough, but we'll see how it goes. Um, again, by the time you're listening to this, you may already know the answer to this to this question. We don't know. <laughs> um, we're here on Wednesday night, the 21st of February, and we don't know the answer. You may know already. So, um, all right. So, a couple, two more things that we want to we want to touch on. One of which you alluded to already. We'll get to that at the end. Um, but obviously, we're going to have the next couple of months to talk about the offseason we'll get into the draft here pretty soon well free agency and then the draft uh within the next couple of weeks it's probably what we're going to focus on in the episodes to come uh in the next couple of weeks but um generally speaking what where do you think what do you think that the team needs to focus on obviously um as we've already mentioned this this could be the like this has got to be the the final like let's go all in and make sure that we give ourselves the best chance to win the Super Bowl again next year uh, or for to win the Super Bowl next year uh, to get there and, and actually win it next next time. So what what are the things that they need to do uh, in a sort of general sense? We don't have to talk about like specifics, but what where where do we think the the the, the holes on this team were uh, thinking about like players who are probably not going to be back and, and, and that kind of stuff in a in a in a general sense? Um. They need to shore up the right side of the offensive line. I don't know, like, exactly who they grab or how they get it done, but clearly, like, the rotating right guard situation is not working. I think Burford could still be a solid NFL starter, but you can't, like, the fact that the Niners are not comfortable giving him a full game in his second season is concerning to me. So... That's a place to shore up. Right tackle. I think McKivitz was fine, but you know, we were talking yep. about this even like in preseason. It's kind of odd. Colton, you're the starter. So, you know, I'd say that for sure. Um, then the thing about the offense, right, is it's so frustrating because there's really not a lot of holes, but the offense was clearly the weak point in the Super Bowl. And I don't know what the solution is other than Brock Purdy to just cut a couple seconds off his 40 or like throw the <laughs> ball 15 yards down the field or better at processing. It's one of those three, right? Like at the end of the day, that's where the 49ers are going to get their biggest offensive step. It's going to be slightly better protection, but it's going to be Purdy being a better quarterback. That's a lot to ask for a guy who is already a, you know, fringe MVP contender probably would have won it <laughs> if he didn't like play as terrible as he did against Baltimore and people wanted to discount his success so rapidly. But, um, yeah, I feel like on offense, the Niners for better, or for worse, are kind of where they are, which is concerning because there were games where they did not look good at offense at all, including the Super Bowl. It's also like 
good because it's not really a place you got to worry about. On defense, they need to figure out opposite Bosa. I don't know if that's hey. Chase Young. I don't know if that's Joey Bosa if he gets released from <laughs> from the Chargers. I don't know if that's Khalil Mack who apparently might also get released. I don't know if you draft someone. Like I don't know, but clearly yes, all the things. <laughs> just, kidding, just run four or five. Everybody. Five pro- they got to do Who something. Needs defensive there. tackles. We'll just all pass rushers. <laughs> then, you know, covering for Dre Greenlaw, I've seen a lot of people say Aziz Alshire might be an option. That could be a case. I could also see them just run with the young guys, let them, you know, take the reins after basically a redshirt rookie year. My personal opinion is that they need to get a corner opposite. Yeah. Mooney Ward and allow Dima to be a full-time slot corner. And, you know, I've seen some mock drafts in where it's so sad that, you know, mock drafts are the exciting thing now and not the fact that they won a Super Bowl. Oh, well, anyway, sorry. Back to (laughs) staying focused. Um, I've seen some (laughs) mock drafts that allow, like, that half Kool-Aid McKinstry from Bama falling far enough for the Niners to grab him. I think that would be a great pick in the first round. Do I think that will happen? No, absolutely Probably not. Like, no way. But <laughs> you, I just think they need to get some real talent opposite Mooney Ward because Mooney Ward is phenomenal, right? Like, I think his next step is, as he said, turning past defenses into interceptions. But mm-hmm. that's, like, that's, like, the final step for him to be, like, one of those, like, shutdown premier corners. He's really close to that level already. I think opposite him, though, it doesn't matter if Mooney's really good and if Demo's covering the slot, if, like, if the other receiver's open all the time. And I think Ambry Thomas did not play well against Green Bay. He didn't play particularly well against Detroit either. And the thing is about – I don't want to, like, harp on a player because, like, you know, I – like, if I was good at football, I'd be playing good, right? So clearly <laughs> – these guys are way more talented than I am. Like we are not on close to the same level. I'm not like some expert on corner. Um, <laughs> he like, I think with Ambry from my like full disclaimer, not expert like perspective, he just like struggles with playing the ball. And it's not like Moody Ward struggles with getting interceptions. It's like, he just like, He's in position, but then he, like, at the point of key spots, essentially, like, when a receiver is going to break or when the ball is thrown, he loses. And he's just yeah. not able to recover there. And, like, but that's a really, like, important, like, difficult one because what are you, like, that's a, that's a difficult, like, kind of thing to teach. That's, that's, like, instincts, essentially. But so long yeah. as he doesn't make that step, it's really hard to see him kind of like take to a really consistent starter. And on top of that, like I like they won against Detroit, but if they didn't, I was probably going to come on whatever we did that recap and just harp on this for an hour. He had, and this is like it's not fair to hold one play to a player, but this kind of encapsulates, I think, a lot of what happens with Ambry sometimes he had one of the worst angles on that Jamison Williams end around and his angle 
took Dre Greenlaw out of the play. Like, that's how... And Greenlaw was, like, basically cut by it, and that's what slowed him down and allowed Williams to get that speed. And it's like, there's something going on. Like, clearly, the Niners are already don't, like, trust him to be, like, one of their top two corners. That's why he is essentially, like, the nickel corner. He doesn't play nickel, but he's only rotated in on nickel situations. That's unusual. That's not what most teams do, right? The fact that they are, like, Demo's a better outside option, but we don't have a nickel corner. So and he's also he's a better be slot like, option. <laughs> exactly. So we're going to, like, you're, like, that's a lesser of two evils argument. And that's not, that's yeah. not what you want on your defense, right? So... Yeah, to sum up, get a right tackle or a right guard. Make sure that the guy rushing opposite Bosa is good at actually rushing the passer. Make sure the linebacker opposite Warner isn't horrible, and then probably get a new corner. Yeah. Um, pretty pretty much in agreement with you there. Um, I think the one thing that you that you missed, obviously, is that the fact that you, you talked about Brock Purdy. This is going to be his first opportunity to have like a real off season, um, you know, cause his rookie year was his rookie year and he was going to be like the third string quarterback. If even that, like if he was even going to make the team last year, he had this, the surgery. So he didn't really have a, a, a normal off season this year. He'll, he's not rehabbing. He's not just work on getting better. And so I think that will be really helpful. Like, But yeah, I think the right side of the offensive line. If, if you're gonna gonna spend some money, and I I know they are they are very 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 unlikely to spend any money on on offensive linemen at this point. But you know maybe bring in a a, a a guard who you feel comfortable with. If Burford's not your guy, Burford's not your guy. You know it's okay. That's fine. You, you know you don't have to like cut him. Oh, and and if you know if. Like we said earlier, it's weird that Colton McKivis was just like, all right, here's the starting right tackle job. Um, you got to bring in somebody else to like push him and like your first round pick and then make it your first round pick. If it's your second round pick, make it make it a high draft pick that's going to put some real pressure on him. Um, I think obviously the Brandon Ayuk thing is something we're going to talk about ad nauseum. I think they should get it done. I really think this is the time like they got them. They can't be. If if 2024 is truly the the final year of this core where it's like we're pushing all the chips in, then they can't be like trading him away for and then drafting a rookie and hope that he clicks the way that I did immediately. Um, that's just a bad bad idea. Uh, the other thing they're not to figure out: uh, John Jennings is a restricted free agent. Did did that man play himself into a big contract with that really fantastic Super Bowl game that he played? Um, I don't know. Um, how much are the 49ers willing to put him? Uh, put him out there. They can put, you know, those those tags on him. I think it's like first round, second round, or um, original rounds, or right or I think only that with a restricted free agent. So they have to decide what they want to do with him, um, or they have to decide that they trust one of these younger guys to come up. Ronnie Bell, Danny Gray doesn't seem like they do. Um, Ray Ray McLeod's also going to be a free agent, but he's a, an unrestricted free agent, so they got to decide what to do about that. Uh, both as a, in a kick returner and as a, a depth receiver guy. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's the right side of the offensive line for me. 
Um, and specific, specifically drafting a, a guy who can maybe play right tackle immediately and then think about the future at left tackle too, because Trent Williams ain't getting any younger, um, in spite of the fact that he says he wants to play a couple more seasons. Um, but yeah, defensively, I'm right there with you. Another pass rusher, which is the thing we've been saying for, what, two years now? Um, and then finding another cornerback, be you know, be through. Um, and then a linebacker. I like the Aziz Alshire uh, return kind of situation. I think that works well because if, you know, you sign him, he becomes your immediate starter next to Warner. And then when Greenlock comes back, we already know that they can work together as a, as a trio pretty well uh, when called upon, even if it's Greenlock kind of slowly working his way back immediately. The other thing I would probably think about, I know there's a lot of conversation about like contracts and stuff. Um, what about, of extension with Traverius Ward to get his his cap number down because he's a no you know he's not an old guy so and he's only he's been here a couple of seasons maybe it start you start having that conversation about figuring out how to how to keep him a, around a little bit longer um, while you're drafting a guy to to be the the, the other the, the opposite his opposite number along with Demo uh, in the slot so all good things there I think is what I would do I'm right there with you yeah I mean that's a going to be the real thing and this is like this is what makes them losing so frustrating is that they the cap the way they've managed it this is all going to come to a head right like yep we eventually. we like we talked about the rams they did this they made a bunch of shirts talking about how they didn't care about draft picks and what essentially happened is they won the super bowl that's the difference as annoying as yep. it is the rams won the super bowl so they were justified in this aggressive push, right? And then they had another year. It didn't work out. Then Stafford got injured, and they had to cut bait. So they cut bait. They clear the books. And now they have to retool. And, you know, the Rams played well. They made the playoffs. But they were clearly not that same level of team they were two years ago. In the same way, that's going to happen. Right. Because... They can't pay Purdy what he wants. Let him go. And then you start this process again and hope you find someone who's good enough. And then, you know, that's probably going to be through the draft as well to minimize the cap. And then we run a whole risk of, like, that player not being exactly what you thought. So it's a difficult one for sure. Like, the Niners are in a difficult spot here. But... They have to yeah. do something, like you said, right? <laughs> this is like if this is the last year with this core, there's no way you trade Ayuk. In 2019, trading Buckner, I think, was an incorrect calculation on creating a sustainable like winner. And I think right. they realized through 2020 and 20 and then the NFC championship losses that sustainability is overrated. That only works when you have a guy like Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady, and you right. have a quarterback who's going to keep you there always. Will Brock Purdy get to that level? I don't know. Maybe. Who knows? I mean, anything can happen. Until you have that guy, you don't worry about, like, how can we keep this thing going? You're like, how do we win? You got to <laughs> find a way to win one. Like, that's, that's how it is. Right? If they win next year, Big if, you know, no optimism whatsoever. I'm, I'm, I'm forever jilted by this team. Oh, goodness. Right. 
then, <laughs> then you know, then you take the next year and it's like, okay, you reshuffle. Maybe they're like a wild card team, but like it's okay, right? Because you have a lot of the core pieces in place. You have a great coach in Shanahan, despite the big game. I think that's untrue. I think, you know, getting to the Super Bowl requires winning big games. He won a game that yep. like another coach couldn't win, right? So, does he need to like lock it down? Yeah, but it'll happen eventually. But um, you have I have an article that I've um, been sitting on for a year that I'll finally get to put out because it's now the off season about um, about how I think the Niners approach the draft and why it leads to a lot of these like busts essentially, but these like why they're able to get superstars in the draft, like at every round, essentially. I think their approach is a really smart way to attack the draft minus a couple of quibbles. And, you know, and you have an owner who's willing to spend and a cap guy in Paragmarate who's like really good at setting up the cap space. Like you can keep, but at the end of the day, you have to win. Like you said this in training camp, We'll say it in training camp starts it this year. You got to win. Yeah. Well said. Um, right there with you. Um, they should have won this year. Darn it. It's going to yep. hang over our heads. Um, all right. Last topic. Uh, it's a it's a positive one. Uh, we, we didn't really get to talk to it, talk about it too terribly much um, because of all the other things that were going on. But, uh, obviously Patrick Willis, a member of the 2024, uh, pro football hall of fame class that was announced, uh, during NFL honors. Um, man, just, just what a, what a well-deserved, uh, career or honor for, for, for Patrick Willis. He didn't, he didn't play the longest of careers, but he was pretty much like one of the top linebackers in the, in the NFL during the entirety of his career. And, um, unfortunately was, you know, <laughs> missed out on, on his opportunity to win a Super Bowl, um, and was on some not great Niners teams, which just goes to tell you, goes to show you how, like how great of a player he was because a lot of his teams that he played on were not very good at all. Um, so, you know, kudos to him and congratulations. Looking forward to that, uh, enshrinement ceremony i i i don't think i've ever watched an nfl uh hall of fame enshrinement ceremony but i think i'm gonna I'm make an exception this time around for for sure so congratulations to, to patrick willis okay this is um i'm so for those of you who have been listening throughout this i'm sorry i've been a little negative and i, I wasn't super happy <laughs> it's all right We're, we all we all feel the same way actually we're right there with you man but i'm so excited i'm so happy that Patrick Willis is in the Hall of Fame. Um, you know, those of you who got a chance to read my article on it on the site will know that he's my favorite 49ers player ever, favorite football player ever. I just, I think he changed the game in the middle linebacker position. He is the standard by which modern football requires middle linebackers to play. And, you know, there's so many ridiculous arguments and comments about whether he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame because of his counting stats. My response to that is simple. Well, there are two. One, he's in it already, so shut up. But two, <laughs> um, you take any of these other players, 
any of them and you ask them, would you have Patrick Willis's talent at your position? They'd say yes. Any of these like cases they're talking about, they'd say yes. Because Patrick Willis, man, he is he was like a beacon of hope on some bad football teams and a stalwart on some good ones. And I mean, like, just phenomenal player, great leader, represented the 49ers in every way possible. I mean, exactly what you'd want from someone to be associated with your franchise. And, you know, I, I'm so happy. It's, it's the best. It's the best that he's in the Hall of Fame. And I think it's recognition of a career that was, you know, that ended probably prematurely. And there was a fantastic argument about this ago when he was first like getting I think available on the ballot and it was that Hall of Famers in the NFL typically have this like two to three to four year stretch where they're old and they're not really that good but everyone's like oh yeah like he's a Hall of Famer right so and you like ingrain that like people like see the guy who's playing at 38 and he's like yeah that's a Hall of Famer even though he's not playing very good, it's because that longevity has reestablished like the dominance lingers on in the memory of people because that player stays around for so long. And what Patrick Willis lacked was like that longevity. He didn't have the chance to be like 35 or 36 in the NFL until like still be playing. And someone, every time he'd make a good play for the commentator to be like, you know, that's a future hall of famer right there. And Patrick Willis, that's like, and it's silly, it's annoying that that's the way Hall of Fame voting often like goes, that it's so narrative-based. But the plus side is that, in one case, they got it right. So congratulations to Patrick Willis. And I, too, will be watching the Hall of Fame induction ceremony for the first time in a very long time. Yeah. Um, the 2007 and 2014 only played six games this last season. Do the foot injury that uh, eventually kind of did him in, but he was a seven-time Pro Bowler, five-time All-Pro player. Um, was the was a member of the All 2000s team, uh, Defensive Rookie of the Year, both from the Pro Football Writers of America and the AP uh, Rookie of the Year. Didn't ever win the NFL Defensive Player of the Year, which West Coast bias and also bad team bias, I think, probably did him in there. Um, there was there was some definitely some cases during some of those those seasons, especially in the first couple of years, where you could probably make the case for him uh, for sure. Um, just turned thirty nine a couple of weeks ago, so that's that's crazy. That that the thing the thing that you're talking about right there is exactly right. Like the fact that he only just turned thirty nine at the end of January, and he's been retired since twenty fourteen. He's been out out of the game for all for ten years this season. This this is ten years. And yet here he is. So congratulations to to Patrick. So that a nice happy note, I think, to end an otherwise not so not so happy, uh, and uh, but you know ultimately forward looking podcast. I I like to think so. Akshaz, um, any final words as we um, we'll, we'll we'll kick it to you as we as we always do to to let you have the final say. Um, as I was mentioning, we'll we'll be a little more sporadic throughout the the off season, maybe other every other week or so. Um, we'll get into things like uh, free agency, which I don't think is going to be a major thing for the 49ers this season because money is is not really uh, they don't have a lot of it uh, to spend um, at this moment. 
Um, but there will be there'll be a player in there in some way, shape, or form. Uh, and then the draft. Uh, maybe we'll, we'll we'll hook up with our with our uh, our draft Nick from uh, Niner Noise, uh, who joined us last year to to talk about later on um, uh, in the uh, in in March or before April before the draft. Um, but yeah, we'll just be uh, kind of doing through these kinds of things. But Akshaz, uh, I'll kick it to you for any final words before we uh, wrap this thing up. I mean, just you know, it like. It it sucks that they lost the Super Bowl, and we um I think this episode I definitely kind of put a lot of weight on that game because that's how it goes, right? In football, there's only one right. team that's happening. But it was a great year for the 49ers. A lot of positives, a lot of ascendant players, a lot of really great performances, and I mean some of the coolest and like most exciting playoff games we've seen the 49ers play didn't end the way we wanted, but. You know, there's always next year, and we appreciate all of you listening to us throughout the season. Like Robert said, we'll be around for the off season. To hear about when it comes to the 49ers, we'll be there to talk about it. So appreciate all of you listeners for tuning in with us for this season. Absolutely, the NFL is the 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 sport that never sleeps, so we won't either. Well, you know what I mean, like, but not you know podcasting sense anyway um <laughs> as akshad says uh as akshad said uh thanks for listening to this episode and every episode of the niner noise podcast uh we are part of the fan-sided podcast network off season we got uh free agency draft stuff all those kinds of things uh for all your latest 49ers news and analysis and everything else and be sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen and of course share it with all your fellow 49er fan friends So until next time, let's sound the horn, 49ers. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.